Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I am Josh and I am excited to have Dr. Russell Moore on the show today. Russell, thanks for joining us. Oh, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Russell is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he's an author, and his latest book is entitled The Storm-Tossed Family. Russell, kind of give us a 10,000-foot view of the storm-tossed family. Well, the 10,000-foot uh, view would be that uh, family is going to be spiritual warfare no matter what uh, your situation is, and so that means that we come to the family with an understanding of the cross, uh, which means that we see God's glory there. We also see a lot of brokenness and, and hurt there, no matter uh, no matter what your situation. So the main thing I'm trying to communicate is you're in a family crisis. Just by their very nature of being family. Just by the nature <laughs> of it. And, and even if someone says, well, I'm not married, I don't have children, uh, well, you're still embedded in a in a family. Um, yes. Even even someone who says, "Well, I don't even uh, I don't even know who my parents were, and I have no mm-hmm. living relatives." Well, you have uh, you have absences then, uh, and so those those still uh, play out in your life. Why the imagery of the storm? Well, because uh, in a in a storm, you have the sense of a uh, a loss of control. Um, uh, that would be, I mean, I, I, we had, uh, my house just, uh, two nights ago, uh, tornado warnings, uh, coming through in the middle of the night and I had to, uh, you know, nothing materialized, but we didn't know we had to get the kids mm-hmm. and put them in the closet and, and just wait it out. Uh, but the most dangerous thing about a storm is you just don't know what's going to hit you next and how long it's going to last. Um, and I think that's, that's what we live through with our families as well. So how do you define family? You mentioned the cross. How do you define family in light of the cross? Well, if you'll notice uh, what's happening at the cross is uh, there's, a, there's a family crisis going on right there. I mean, Jesus, in the middle of the most significant uh, moment in all of, of human history, uh, is, speaking, is, is really uh, arranging an adoption uh, in, in many ways. He says to, uh, he says to his mother, uh, this is your son pointing to John and says to John this is your this is your mother hmm. and so what he's doing there is really two things i think one of them is he is um he's affirming again that natural bond uh that we have with family this is not something that is uh, is meaningless and he's he's also though he, so he's he's keeping the law he's honoring his father and mother even while he's being executed as a mm-hmm. as a lawbreaker by the authorities and he also though is showing that he's doing something different with family so it's not just this sort of biological connection uh, he says to Mary this is your son and this is your mother which is is really exactly what he does after he's raised from the dead when he brings people together as sure. brothers and sisters who don't have any 
I don't have any uh, biological tie. I don't share any DNA, but they share the spirit. Absolutely. And obligations to each other. So as a, it's probably a gross oversimplification to call you a quote-unquote political guy, but as someone who kind of focuses... That would be a gross oversimplification because <laughs> I, I deal very little with politics, uh, probably uh, you know less than 5% of what I do or have ever done has to do with that. Why a book on family? Well, because uh, most of the uh, most of the issues that uh, that I deal with every day have have to do with with family crises in one mm. place or the other. So, mm. uh, either with people who are uh, breaking uh, apart in terms of their marriages, or uh, people who are saying, "I don't know what to do with my kids in terms of uh, technology." That's one that, yes. that that happens a lot. Or I don't know how to relate to uh, parents, um, maybe even unbelieving parents who don't uh, don't get what's going on uh, yes. with me. Uh, all of those uh, all of those things. And what I have found is that often uh, people assume that they're the only ones who are going through this, this kind of tumult uh, yes, that, that's Lord. happening in their lives. And so they'll say, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I talk about in the book uh, one moment when I was uh, serving as a pastor and I did a, a Wednesday night Bible study and we had time of prayer requests. And people were giving prayer requests for illnesses and, you know, er everything else that's going on in their lives. And this, uh, this uh, woman comes up to me after and she looked around to make sure there was no one standing there and whispered to me, pray for my daughter. She went off to college and she mm. said she thinks she's an atheist. And I mm. said, okay, we'll pray about that, but why are you whispering? And she <laughs> said, well, I, I just don't want anybody to think we're the ones with the atheist daughter. Right. And that was, that was tragic, yes. uh, but it also I think is really revealing because I think there are a lot of people who assume, well, if we have something going on, that means that we're, uh, you know, we, somehow we didn't follow the right steps. Yes. Uh, and and really, she was protecting herself from her church, uh, yes. the very people that she needed. You talk about just by the very nature of being in family, there's this this storm that happens that we naturally almost isolate ourselves. Part of that, though, storm is is culture. You mentioned technology. Speak for a second just how much uh, culture impacts our family, our children, our marriage. Well, I don't. Uh, I think it um, it influences us in in some ways that we don't see, but it doesn't influence as much as I think we sometimes think. And, and by that, I mean I think that sometimes people think, well, we're in an especially difficult time uh, to live as family, uh, which is just not true. If you if you look at uh, even even the biblical narrative uh, from Genesis three onward. You have uh, you have difficulty when it comes to to family, um, and every era has that. It, yes. It's going to differ from era to era. So sure. we don't, in our culture, face some of the issues that, um, that that people in the Bible faced in terms of families. You don't have a question of resentment between multiple wives, uh, for instance, as you have sure. with with say Hannah in in First uh, Samuel one. But we have some other things that previous uh, generations didn't have to deal with. Hmm. So now those questions of, of technology, uh, for instance, how do I, um, how do I figure out uh, 
what the appropriate sorts of levels are going to be for boundaries when it comes to technology? Well, that's a that's a difficult question, and it becomes increasingly difficult as the technology advances. Sure. And so, you know, lots of questions on uh, sexuality issues that uh, previous generations just really didn't have to mm. uh, deal with. And so, I'm I uh, was having to deal with talking to my kids about. Uh, you know, the birds and the bees, like every parent <laughs> has ever had to do in, in human history, but also having to deal with, you know, when my seven-year-old uh, came in one day and said, how can a how can a girl turn into a boy or a boy turn into a girl? Yep, said, well, at seven. Well, why are you asking? Yeah. Yep. And he said, and I mean, he's a homeschooled uh, kid uh, mm-hmm. in a a very evangelical church, sort of, that's his social network. Um, yeah. has no connection with technology, but he was in the dentist office and, uh, you know, there was a, an episode of the view or something that was on television that was talking about, uh, the transgender issue. So you realize, uh, well, these, this is a conversation that my grandfather never would have had to have. Correct. Uh, so that's different, but it's, but it's not different that we're constantly facing, uh, challenges. So I hear you saying we should never take him to the dentist. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Storm-tossed family, the cross changes everything. Kind of practically speaking, um, talk for a moment about how the cross impacts marriage. Well, because I think, uh, you know, there was a couple weeks ago, there was uh, supposedly good news that came out uh, with a study that showed that the divorce rate was going down. And that certainly seems to be a great thing until you actually look around at the data and realize that what the study actually shows is that the marriage rate is going down. That's the mm. reason the divorce. You can't divorce if you're mm. not married. Sure. And one of the things that I've noticed when I talk to uh, people who are living together, they're not marrying, uh, and I'll say, why? Uh, the response that I'm expecting usually is a downgrading of marriage, you know, the sort of caricature of, oh, marriage is an institution. We don't need a piece of paper, uh, that sort of thing. But that's usually not what I get. What I get is this hyper-idealized view of marriage, Hmm. which is to say, I don't ever want to go through the divorce that I lived through as a kid with my parents. Hmm. I don't ever want to put anybody through that. And so I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to marry until I'm confident that's not going to happen and until I have this perfect soulmate, which of course this person doesn't exist doesn't exist yeah. uh, for anybody. And so that idealized view, I think of, of family and the same thing applies to often parents with their children who have such expectations of their children as kind of an extension of their egos mm-hmm. uh, to be able to succeed in life uh, really leads to a, a great deal of misery. But if we're Christians and that means that everything is framed around the cross then that means that what we have to understand is that we suffer with him. We, we carry the cross. That includes our family lives. Mm. So when we, uh, when we sacrifice ourselves uh, to care for uh, parents who, are, uh, who have dementia or with that uh, special needs a child or the child sure. who comes home with a, uh, with a drug addiction or uh, whatever the situation is, we're not – uh, some, someone is not ruining our lives. Uh, mm. Instead, we're we're following Christ at at those mm. moments. In a word, hope. 
Uh, the cross brings hope to our marriage. Yeah, and, and it shows us how to actually relate uh, within the marriage or within the family. Sure. So I see that, that spouse, for instance, or potential spouse, not as the person who is going to uh, make up for all the deficiencies that I have yes. and meet all of my uh, expectations, but instead as an opportunity to pour myself out and mm-hmm. to sacrifice myself on behalf of another, which is, of course, that's where Jesus says to us, joy comes from. Yep. And so you, you give up your life in order to save it. We're intimidated by storms, whether it's storms that are happening outside of our the four walls of our home or the storms happening within the—we're intimidated. But the cross gives us hope, and it should gives a, give us resiliency. In some ways, well— Systems need to be perturbed to actually have growth. So in some ways, storms can be good news if used correctly. Talk with the parents that are listening about how to appropriately use the bad redemptively to make good out of it or allow God to make good out of it. Well, that's right. I mean, you think about uh, there was a book uh, several years ago. I don't agree with everything in it, of course, but the central uh, theme of it I do called Anti-Fragile, where he talks about the fact that you can have strong uh, realities or systems, uh, but they're very brittle and they, they ultimately fall apart. And you can have weak structures or systems that, that fall apart. But what you're, what you're aiming for is not to make those fragile systems uh, strong, but to make those fragile systems anti-fragile, which means that, that they're able to live with their vulnerability in a way that is actually uh, able to, to make them thrive. And I think that's exactly right. I I know a lot of families that seem to be very strong right now, Uh, and and they're the families that you would, um, you know, they they send out the the Christmas letter and everything looks perfect, and they are right at the precipice of one wrong thing happening, blowing the whole project uh, apart, and even more so because they have these expectations that everything ought to be shiny, happy, tranquility. But if you have people who learn how to navigate uh, difficult situations and they learn how in that not to become bitter, not to become crushed, but they learn how in that to figure out who they are and to figure out their dependence upon God, uh, then you can have people who not only are going to be able to, to build strong families, but also are going to be able then to minister to other people later on. Mm. And and those are the people that I see, uh, you know, the people who are doing uh, the most ministry uh, to in terms of family to other people, are almost never people who have had these uh, these picture perfect uh, sorts of lives. Instead, it's just the reverse. Those couples that are mentoring other couples uh, away from divorce are usually couples who, at some point in their lives, came to the point where their own marriage was crumbling. Correct. And they had to figure out, well, how do we, uh, how do we save this? And that's where the wisdom comes from. And the same thing with those who are helping uh, parents with with difficulties with with children. These are people who have who have lived through some of that, and so they're they're able to to figure out how to how to navigate it. And and the same thing too with there are a lot of people who are carrying a lot of uh, weight uh, and burden. Correct. Because of their family backgrounds, 
Correct. And because of situations with their, their parents, maybe even their parents are long dead, but that mm-hmm. still stays with them. Well, the people I know who are best able uh, to, to live life are not the people whose backgrounds were uh, you know, Brady Bunch-ish. Perfect, uh, exactly. Instead, yeah, but people who were able to say, uh, who, who were able to learn how to come through that on the other side. We talked to so many families, not only on the show, but just in our practice. So many families seem to today be try to prepare the the path in front of their children so that they have no hiccups, they have no hills they have to climb or mountains or or they don't stumble. But we talked to them about preparing the child for the path, rather. I hear you saying the storms are going to be there. We have to build resiliency within our kids rather than trying to make their world perfect. Yeah, and also uh, it, it, it really astounds me how sometimes you will have parents who will be uh, hyper-protective in areas where the protection will actually hurt their child mm-hmm. and be super permissive in areas that also are going to hurt their child in a, in a way that ends up with the worst of, of all possible worlds. So I know uh, parents, uh, for instance, who would gasp at the idea that their children would be you know, outside in the neighborhood. Uh, navigating their way around the around the neighborhood, <laughs> sure. Uh, or or even I was sitting um, at a table one time in a coffee shop, and there were a group of uh, a group of women sitting at the table, all talking about their sons who were freshmen in college, and they were going through the schedule of each of their sons' day, all of it. I mean, and I thought my sure. mother never had an wow. idea yeah, what exactly. I was doing. So you have that, and at the same time, this sense of well. Uh, we're going to uh, allow our children to have uh, limitless access to the internet uh, at yeah. the age of 11. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those those yep. two things is, is almost as though you said, what, what are the worst two aspects of Correct. both helicoptering and free range uh, sort of uh, sort of permissiveness that we could put together? We often also talk about how you parent a teenager, you parent a teenager when they're two. You know, again, that, that whole idea of preparing. Why do you think we're having more and more kind of this failure to launch young adult, but still an adolescent? Why, why do you think we're seeing that more? Well, I think some of it is, um, is cultural and, and technological. So there, there just uh, aren't the avenues uh, in many cases that, that would have been, at least at a widespread le- uh, level, that would have been available in previous generations. So I think part of that is is there. Um, the other part of it, though, is this sense of extending uh, adolescence in such a way that people only uh, people are only able to do what is expected of them. Yeah. And they're they're really remarkably able to do the things that are expected yes. of them. So I hear people who will say, uh, you know, uh, I, just the other day someone was talking about this person. They said, you know, give him a break. He's only 26 years old. He's not. <laughs> uh, and I thought, 26 years 26? old. I mean, the people who who won World War II were yep. 18. Yep. Uh, and, and we tend to think that 18-year-olds are babies. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think that's that's part of the problem. Yes. Just lowering the expectation of our youth. 
So in closing, uh, kind of tile this into a nice little bow for us. What are you hoping that readers walk away with from after reading The Storm Toss Family? Well, a couple things. One of them, I hope that uh, that readers will understand and see the church as being the training ground for family. Uh, so we, we learn how to be brothers and sisters to one another and to carry uh, one another's burdens uh, within the church. And uh, when that isn't the case, then we're just not going to learn how to be uh, how to be nuclear families or extended mm-hmm. families in a in a biological or adoptive sense. And so that's that's one piece of it. The other piece of it would be uh, to help people to see their lives, to see what's going on in their lives as being more than just the circumstances happening. There's a hmm. there's a reason why family is always going to be an arena of spiritual warfare. It's because family is a picture of uh, things that are at the very root and core of the mystery of the universe, the fatherhood of mm. God, the union of Christ and the church, the, uh, mm. the, the, the brotherhood and sisterhood of the, of the body of Christ. And because of that, you are always going to be in the middle of tumult uh, when it mm. comes to family. And so the, the answer to that is not to say, how do I end that and, and get to the ideal? The answer is to say, okay, how do I faithfully carry this cross through that mm. in, in a way that is is not going to be looking for some prosperity gospel that says if I just do this and this and this, then I'm going to have the Christmas card picture that I want. Sure. But instead to say, uh, no, how do I uh, how do I approach the people who are in front of me right now? as somebody who is crucified with Christ and raised mm-hmm. a newness of life with him. Russell, thank you so much for being on the show. Wonderful words for any family, and so I'm hoping that our audience will run out and grab your book, but thank you so much. Thank you. Boy, do I feel like a horse's patoot. A political guy, Josh, a political guy. I didn't want to apologize to him for completely getting his job incorrectly. Uh, I was thinking it the whole time. I didn't want to apologize because I thought that would make it more awkward. So now that he's off, <laughs> I'm hoping he's still listening to the episode. My apologies, Dr. Moore. God. Oh, Lord. So I, 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 I follow him on Twitter, and I, I listen. He has a ton of articles out there, and they all seem to me, prior to this interview, I, while he's not a politician, to be involved in kind of that space. And I was completely wrong. So my apologies. <laughs> I hope each of you got a good laugh out of, well, it's not only just a a gross oversimplification, it's completely inaccurate. (laughs) I was just picturing Jimmy's response if he was in the room. He's he's actually at a training this week in Atlanta, and um, so that's why he's not here. (laughs) Oh, he would have given me a hard time for that. Luckily, he's not going to listen to the show. So anyway. Storm Toss family. I love the idea that, you know, we can protect our families all we want. He wasn't advocating for that, but we can do all we can to try to limit the storm. But by the very nature of you being in a family, even if you are single and not married without kids, you come from a, you can't escape the storm. I love that imagery. And so the importance of the cross and how it impacts our hope and hopefully our resiliency because the storm is here. It's not just coming, it's here. 
so that we have to live in light of the cross to get through those storms. Uh, I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's a fantastic book. Dr. Moore, Russell, he's a fantastic follow on social media and just with just all he's doing with the ERLC, he's a fantastic follow. And so definitely look for his book as well as him on his social media. And we'll have that link in our show notes. If you want in- more information about this episode about or about any previous episode, it is paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on our socials there. We appreciate you listening and we hope that you uh, share the show with others as well as review it. Thanks. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. 